podcasters. Welcome to Hey All You Zombies. I'm Richard Krauss. On the other end of the line, we have Chris Abel. Thank you, thank you. Hello. And uh, I'm just going to share with us. This, this is, you know, people sometimes say, hey, what's your podcast all about? What's going on on your podcast? I'm going to show you, I think, uh, an image that I found that I think kind of sums up what this podcast is all about. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's it's just a little message. It's a photo just so you can, if you can't see it all that clearly, it's, it looks like a little boy, and he's wearing a Batman suit and a Darth Vader helmet, and it says, the most important thing in his life is to be yourself, unless you can be Darth Batman. Always be Darth Batman. And when I saw that, I don't know that it really has, you know, uh, a direct link to what we do here, but I feel like we're always kind of Darth Batman here. We just sort of go our own way. We do what we, we talk about what we want to talk about here, and you never know exactly what we're going to talk about, except lately uh, The Walking Dead has been a pretty good bet. If you were betting what we we're going to talk about, that would be a good thing to bet on. But other than that, you never know. Yeah, Walking Dead or Darth Batman. Darth Batman. Uh, and, you know, totally. I mean, uh, the amazing thing about that image is not that someone combined a Darth Vader costume with a Batman costume, but the amount of time and energy that they did to make that actually happen. It's one thing to have the idea. It's another thing to have the follow-through. And I guess that's uh, where the link is with Hey All You Zombies. We're here today to offer the follow-through on crazy ideas like that. <laughs> Well, um, there's been lots going on. I got to tell you, we, 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 I'll do a, a very brief uh, uh, summation of what I thought of The Walking Dead this week. A little bit disappointed, right? Yeah, I, you know, I think they kind of there was the element with the phone. I thought they were going to stretch that out over a couple of episodes. No, they they kind of seem to have packaged it up and wrapped it up in just one episode. And I thought, well, that's a bit of a lost opportunity. I mean. Yeah. It's something that they can return to, certainly uh, in future episodes, but they kind of gave it away. You know, there was this great opportunity to kind of, you know, create some suspense and some mystery, and they kind of just wrapped it up and tried to make it as, as healthy as possible rather than hinting that uh, Rick has maybe truly lost his mind and that could be have dark connotations. So, yeah, yeah I kind of agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really, because the last two episodes have been so good. The particularly, you know, now three episodes ago, man, that was, I mean, that was so, that was such a high mark. And the week afterwards was, was really good. This week I just thought kind of, you know, didn't really interest me all that much. I found myself, like, more often I had my iPad with me, and I found myself more often seeing what people were saying about the show on Twitter than paying attention to the show itself. And, you know, that disappointed me a little bit. I wanted more uh, from this view. There's only two episodes left. The thing ends. Uh, for this season. It ends in December. I want more. Yeah, and I think that's, I guess, maybe the issue when you go dark in terms of your subject matter. Once you open that door and you step across that threshold, then you have to continue to live in that world. Things have to continue to be insanity. You can't try to bring it back and, and make it suddenly seem normal. In fact, that's what's appealing about The Walking Dead. It's not normal. Yeah, that's it's not normal. And, it, and it's done such a good job of setting all that stuff up. And then this week, now maybe it's just a placeholder. Maybe next week will just be like nutsoid again and sort of go back to the tone that it probably, you know, should have had this week. Anyway, that's enough about The Walking Dead this week. Right. It, was, it was disappointing to me, and I just I, I wanted to say it. I wanted to say it out loud to the people. Um, I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about uh, something that I think we're probably all a little bit familiar with, uh, and um, it's these. Uh, 
there's been a lot of uh, talk online this week about Twinkies because, you know, it was announced uh, earlier in the week, or I guess on Friday, last Friday, that uh, Hostess was going to just say, you know what, we're not going to negotiate anymore. We're, we're done with this. The Hostess who makes Wonder Bread, who makes Twinkies, Ho-Hos, Ding Dongs, all the food of our youth. They're like, we're not just, we're just not going to bother. We're not going to bother negotiating with the unions. We feel like we're being held hostage by them, and uh, we're out of here. And that's it. We're going to just declare bankruptcy and close down. So people freaked out. I had no idea the the uh, fervor with which people regarded their white bread and you know terrible for you snack foods. And um, you know, I can't remember the last time I had a Twinkie. Joe Louise, absolutely. Not for a long time, but Joe Louise were something that I was sort of in wagon wheels, were kind of something that I grew up having every now and again. Twinkies, maybe not so much, but uh, the the online world has exploded with Twinkie talk. And um, one of the things that's happened, well, here's the thing. All of this stuff that I'm about to tell you doesn't mean anything because now Hostess is renegotiating. They're probably not going to declare bankruptcy. And even if they do, someone's going to buy the Twinkie brand and keep making Twinkies. So Twinkies will still exist. So there is no reason to go on eBay and pay $200,000, which is what someone's trying to get for a case of Twinkies. Uh, Ho-Hos and Ding Dongs are going for slightly less. You can buy those for like under $100 for a package of them. Uh, but there's just outrageous amounts of money being thrown around, particularly for Twinkies. They, the people don't seem to mind that Ding Dongs are, are going the way of the dodo so much. Twinkies, though, people are a little bit more upset about. And it's interesting. Someone named Scott Weinberg wrote uh, on Twitter this week. He said, if you bought Twinkies on eBay this week, congratulations. Your actions moved us to number two on the animal intelligence list right after dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) uh, There have been, you know, just so much trade, apparently, in Twinkies. Because, of course, people, I guess... I mean, because I can't imagine that people thought, oh, my God, they're going out of business. I have to stock up for the rest of my life on Twinkies and run down to the grocery store and buy all this stuff. I have a feeling that people were uh, speculating because people did buy them. Apparently, they're sold out everywhere. You can't buy Twinkies anywhere. And apparently, uh, you know, because of this run, uh, that's why everything started going on eBay. But I think the two are related. I think that people bought the Twinkies knowing that they last forever, that they never go bad, thinking that, well, if they don't make any more Twinkies, in two years I'll be able to sell this crate of them that I just bought for big dollars. That's completely theory. Yeah, sometimes it's a case of trying to create the very market. Even if it doesn't exist, you try to create it in advance. And people have done that with all sorts of things out there, from Skylander toys to video game systems like the Wii. I'm sure there are people who bought the new Nintendo Wii U system uh, this past weekend and stocked up up on a bunch of them, anticipating that there might be a shortage like there was before. But Twinkies, that's insane. I mean, it's just, it's food stuff. So it's kind of, you know. Well, it's a little, it's a little grotesque. Although this is pretty cool too. I found this online. This is, uh, I don't know if you can see it. It's Batman and the Mummy. 
Okay, so Batman and Robin are, are uh, confronted by the mummy. He's hiding behind a big rock here. Uh, Robin even says, great hotap, as he sees him. And it goes on, and there's, there's like they're trying to shoot him, and it's just, it's not working. And they find what happens? Well, Hostess Twinkies. Apparently the mummy loves Hostess Twinkies. He can't resist that moist sponge cake and creamy filling. Uh, so the, the, the mummy picks him up and goes, mm, I've been around for 2,000 years, and I've never tasted anything so good. Batman and Robin, along with the people that were being held hostage by the mummy, say, now that's our chance to escape. Let's go. Uh, and then, gee, thanks, Batman and Robin, they say, grabbing the Twinkies from the mummy and running off. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's real. Like That's, that's not, real. That's, this is a vintage. This is a vintage, I guess it's got to be an ad that I found, but it looks awesome. It's such a great uh, bit of artwork, and it's very, I mean, it's obviously uh, direct from the comic book, so. No, and there's, uh, I just, because I saw on Twitter, there, there's an entire series of these now. There's one where uh, the Penguin steals all the Twinkies in Gotham, <laughs> and the Commissioner calls up Batman and says, you have to do something to bring back all the Twinkies. And then there's another one. vintage? Like, this is an old one? Yeah, this, this is, is old. This is going back, you know, many decades ago uh, when it would have been an ad that was placed within the comic book. Uh, they yeah. did all sorts of things, but yeah, I'm for that one right now. <laughs> they they had it for Aquaman. I didn't see a Wonder Woman there, but it was it was crazy. Uh, and of course, at the time, you think how sad it is that DC is sort of selling out their characters in that fashion. But now it's kind of clever in terms of uh, everybody going crazy about Twinkies. It's just yeah. awesome that those those panels exist with those storylines. Well, here, I've just found it here. Let me uh, let me put it up here for us. Um, is this it? Yeah, here we go. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's it, yeah. Batman and Twinkie-less Gotham City is what the headline is. <laughs> and um, the, the Penguin saying, I'll ruin this town. Gotham City will be Twinkie-less. I have hoarded all the Twinkies by hypnotizing the Twinkies delivery men. And it goes on like that. And, of course, then Batman and Robin uh, um, sort of, you know, swoop in to save the day. But one of the Gothamites who is uh, overtaken with grief says, please tell them I've got to have my Twinkies, golden sponge cake with creamy filling inside. What could be more delicious than a hostess Twinkie? Except maybe more Twinkies. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I remember that's that comic rather book. awesome. I, I think that's from an earlier age because the comic books that I read when I was collecting was always about fruit pies. Mm. Um, I remember lots of hot, you know, Hostess uh, fruit pies. So right. it just was a continuous thing. But I mean, uh, Twinkies is just is a different thing. If it was about, say, any other chocolate bar, it wouldn't be as special. But there's something about Twinkies well, that really psychologically people really uh, attach a lot of importance to. Well, I think so. I mean, the Twinkies, I mean, they, they are sort of a, a bigger part of popular culture than a lot of other snack foods. Like there was the Twinkie defense, right? When the guy ate too many Twinkies. I can't even remember what the case was now. Uh, but we know the, the guy who shot Harvey Milk, the guy who shot Harvey Milk, uh, his defense was that he'd eaten so many Twinkies the, in the weeks leading up to this that he had this insane sugar rush that just never went away or, or whatever. It altered his brain chemistry, whatever the case was. And, uh, and, and that's what caused him to commit this crime. But he became very well known as the Twinkie defense. And, you know, so very few other snack foods. There's not the eat more defense. There's not the, you know, almond joy defense. So, so very few snack foods have sort of come up with that sort of thing. And Twinkie, I think just by virtue of the name, you know, is sort of iconic in its own way. Yeah. Although one of the big surprises to me about this whole thing was that they still made Twinkies. 
I didn't know yeah, they Twinkies. I don't know anybody who eats them. No, no. And and who like you know and, and this is uh, there's I have no judgment about this at all. You should see some of the stuff I eat. But uh, who eats white bread anymore? Like who eats uh, Wonder Bread? When they said we're not going to make Wonder Bread anymore, I'm like, well, I really didn't know they still did. I go to the big grocery stores in my neighborhood, and if you you know if, if you could find a loaf of white bread, you'd be lucky. It's all like uh, flax whole wheat with caraway seeds, and you know like all this sort of artisanal stuff. And I you know I was just surprised. But I get a feeling if you were to go down to the southern states, that it would be a whole different relationship there between Wonder Bread and Twinkies. Yeah, but they will Atlanta, be. Yeah. You know, there's a, a different kind of cultural sense of pride, maybe. We don't look at those foodstuffs as being Ameri uh, as being Canadian, but I think some people do see them as being American. Yeah, I think that they're very, very uh, firmly uh, attached to sort of the, 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 the American kind of – it's like – Twinkies and uh, baseball and apple pie and things that are seen as being truly American. You know, I think Twinkies is probably one of those things. Uh, well, today I'm wearing a special shirt. I'm wearing my serial killer shirt. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, this was a, a popular fashion brand a couple of years ago, and I'm wearing it not because I ate too many Twinkies and I'm ready to, to kill people, <laughs> but I, I want to talk about a very strange and bizarre genre of music called murder songs. Mm -hmm. uh, and what murder songs are bizarre. Uh, it's and what I'm talking about to, to define it is it, it is music that discusses somebody killing somebody, but it's not light. It's not uh, you know like killing me softly with no nothing like that. It's not you know rappers that are talking about how many shots they've taken to the face. It's not about posturing as you get from some rock and rollers or heavy metal songs where I'm gonna kill that guy. It's not tongue in cheek and it's not satire. It is songs that are a bit unusual in that the first time you hear them, they are great songs. Right. It sounds like party music. When you hear it, it's like, wow, that's good. Turn that up. You know, and you may be dancing along, the lyrics, you're repeating them, and then at a certain point, the lyrics kind of take an odd bend where somebody suddenly is saying, I'm going to kill this person. I'm going to hunt them down. You think, okay, you know, it's a joke, right? And then you reach the point where you realize, no, it's dead serious, and you're picking up the phone, you're calling the police. Yeah, I'd like to report a crime, because this guy is, like, really going to kill somebody. Um, very unusual sort of genre of music, and you don't hear it much today. Right. Uh, it's something that comes more from the past. Uh, my understanding is it, it sort of comes from the blues and the folksy music that you'd get at the turn of the 1900s of the 20th century. But it's astonishing stuff. So I was going to give you a couple of examples here. Um, now, this is sort of where it would have started. Here we have, uh, da, 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 I'm going to pull up this guy right here. And this is Skip James. Mm. And he did a song called 2220. All right. Here's the lyrics. Sometimes she gets unruly and she act like she just don't want to do. But I get my 2220. I cut that woman half in two. Your 38 special, buddy, it's most too light. But my 2220 will make everything all right. Well, it rhymes. Yeah, it, it certainly it rhymes. The, it has the, uh, the, the uh, benefit of being a rhyming song. Well, it, the, the stuff was really, really kind of crazy. Uh, a lot of these guys, and unfortunately some of them, uh, there was uh, one guy named Pat Hare, and he wrote a song called I'm Going to Murder My Baby. He ended up being uh, convicted for a double homicide shortly after. But uh, here's a fellow. His name is um, Blind Willie McTell. 
And he wrote a song called The A to Z of Blues, in which right. he says, I'm going to cut your head four different ways. That's long, short, deep, and wide. Hmm. When I get a rhythm of this rusty black handle razor, you're going to be booked out for an ambulance ride. Wow. And the whole really song... Rhyme. Doesn't really rhyme, but I get the point. Well, and it's, it's hard to talk about this uh, because we can't play any music. Right. But you have to understand that the music is actually quite buoyant. It's quite celebratory. This is right. not someone singing about killing as being a bad thing, but someone singing about it being a great thing. Something's right. going to change life. It's a brand new day, that kind of thing. But what I can do is give you a song that you probably already know, which mm -hmm. would be probably the most listened, most purchased murder song of all time. Uh, and that's uh, a song. A guess. You can take a guess, sure. Is it Stagger Lee? Uh, it might be Stagger Lee. Stagger Lee would have been one of those songs, and yeah. there have been people who have done new versions of it. Right. But actually, I'm talking about the Beatles. Maxwell Silver Hammer. No, Run for Your Life. Oh. So the Beatles were big fans and heavily influenced by the blues. Right. Uh, a lot of musicians who are influenced by the blues, they discover this, these old songs. They end up doing their own versions. Uh, the Beatles did a song called Run For Your Life. And uh, I'll, I'll give you the lyrics, and you'll see that it's, it's actually in the same vein. It's, uh, well, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. better keep your head, little girl, or I won't know where I am. You better run for your life if you can, little girl. Hide your head in the sand, little girl. Catch you with another man. That's the end, a little girl. Right. Uh, and they say stuff like, uh, you know, well, you know that I'm a wicked guy, and I was born with a jealous mind, and I can't spend my whole life trying to just make you toe the line. And it goes on like this, and it's, it's all about how he's going to hunt down his, his girlfriend, his wife, because, you know, she's a devil woman who's been lying and cheating on him, and he's going to kill him. And that's the Beatles doing their version of what would be a murder song, which is well, kind of what I'm talking about. Maxwell Silver Hammer, also uh, a kind of a murder song, although it's a little buoyant. It's a little, you know, it's a little chirpy, but bang, bang, Maxwell Silver Hammer came down upon his head. Bang, bang, Maxwell Silver Hammer made sure that he was dead. It goes on. I mean, yeah. the lyrics are about killing people. Yeah, and it's, it's all, and in each case, like even the guys that I, I threw up the, the photos of, I can't play the music, but it's always very, very, you know, happy music. I mean, when you hear uh, Run For Your Life from the Beatles, the first time you hear it, it's a great party song, you know, but I'd rather see a dead little girl than to be with another man, you know, just crazy. Um, but the reason that I'm, I'm talking about this, because I was reminded of it, is that there's a, a musician named Nick Curran. Right. Uh, let's see, I'll pull up his photo. Here he is. There he is. Um, and he's a modern musician. A lot of these songs I'm talking about, they're from the 20s and the 30s, and you can kind of understand, hey, you know, back then, people weren't really um, writing music because they wanted a career. It was mostly they were trying to get their, their feelings out on stage. Uh, Nick Curran uh, could have been a big musician. He passed away last month. Um, he suffered um, oral cancer. He had cancer of the tongue, cancer of the mouth. But a really wicked, cool musician. He had a voice kind of like Tom Waits. He had that right. deep, gravelly voice. He did a lot of, uh, you know, uh, uh, rockabilly. He did a lot of blues. Uh, he was just starting to become a celebrated musician. The, the first couple of albums they put out was starting to take off when he had, unfortunately, to, to go to a hospital and, and spend his time battling cancer. But what shocked me, and the interesting thing about him, is that we're most musicians who have that deep, whiskey-soaked voice. We often talk about them as they only have it because they smoke heavily or they drank heavily. 
Nick Curran actually never smoked in his life, never drank, uh, and yet ended up getting cancer of the mouth. It's, it's a crazy thing. But he wrote and performed a song that <laughs> shocked me. I mean, I, I, I've, I've heard it several times, and the problem that I have with it is that I love the song. Every time I hear it, it puts me in a fantastic mood. But it is, you know, again, one of those songs that when you listen to the lyrics, it's just disturbing. It's just, you know, I don't know how he got into a, a spot where he could actually sing this with great intention. But um, let me see if I got the, the lyrics here. Do, 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 do. I, you know, he starts off by saying, I'm just a boy whose intentions are good. Right. Trying to do everything I should. So it sounds like a great song. Uh, I'm going to kill this trick if she don't told me a lie. I'm going to kill my baby. I'm going to murder my baby. I'm going to kill my baby if she don't quit messing around. She told me that she loved me. She told me the lie all about the way that she kissed her fight. And it goes on and it gets to the point where he's talking about picking up his shotgun, loading it with slugs, and uh, going after her. And it's just this crazy, crazy genre of music. And I guess the question about it is, this kind of music, it may have been uh, tied to a specific place, a specific time. Should it still be made available? Should those songs be, uh, you can now see them on YouTube. Uh, Sun Studios released compilations of this kind of music. And, you know, is it wrong to take it as being serious about murder? I think that it, that was the original intent. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you feel fantastic, but there's definitely something kind of uh, disturbing going on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think you should censor them. I mean, listen, music's music. It's an art form. People write about things. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to censor songs that are about murder, then uh, why not play? So we we won't be able to watch Macbeth anymore, or we won't be able to uh, you know go to see James Bond movies anymore. I mean, they're they're. I, I think you have to be careful because it becomes a larger question of what gets censored and what doesn't get censored very quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, I. I I guess what I'll ask anybody that, that's watching, has there ever been a song that you've heard that you think the song is fantastic, but maybe the lyrics are just plain wrong? It doesn't necessarily have to be about murder. It could be about anything else. Um, I'm sure people have had that experience. I know Oprah did an entire thing on her show because uh, in rap music, you have lyrics that are very sexist, that are very, and yet she has found herself singing and dancing to songs that have just been like that. There's that right. odd conflict that happens where the music is has got your body moving it's touched you emotionally but the lyrics are just whoo you know that kind of thing yeah well um uh, there's a new uh, rolling stones song out right now and uh this is uh, just a quick little uh let's have we both have so many photos today this is uh keith richard in a still uh, from the from the new song and it's funny when i saw this the song's called doom and gloom and uh, when I saw this, it reminded me of a line uh, in a movie called This is 40, the new Judd Apatow movie. And it's coming out soon. It'll be out uh, in December. But I've seen it already. And um, uh, one of the characters, Chris O'Dowd, says, you know, all the other old rock stars like, you know, Mick Jagger and David Bowie are starting to look like old women, all except for Keith Richard, who looked 70 when he was 40. And now he's 70. He looks 69. So he's regenerating a little bit. <laughs> Uh, which is uh, his take on why Keith looks this way. But the song is very violent, and it's all about uh, a plane crash. It's about um, uh, zombies, and it's about uh, all sorts of, like, there's a, in the video, a head explodes. Numi Rapace uh, plays the main character in this uh, this very fanciful kind of video. 
and uh, she is uh, topless throughout much of it. She is uh, put in weird situations where she's hunting zombies. At one point, her head, literally, her head explodes, uh, a la David Cronenberg's uh, uh, scanners. So it's just this crazy uh, new uh, music, the first new music they've had out in a very long time. Uh, but uh, you know what? I played it a few times today. We'll throw up the video on uh, on the website, and I'm just reminding myself to do that, um, so uh, everyone can have a look at it because the video is actually pretty cool. Not exactly murder music, but uh, no, uh, yeah, that it is. But it is it is uh, something uh, that's kind of cool, and it was directed by Jonas Ackerlund, uh, who made uh, the Ray of Light video for Madonna and some videos for uh, Lady Gaga. So you know it's really stylized and and uh, pretty cool looking. But it's got some really kind of wild and disturbing and weird images in it. Well, you know, and I think a little bit of disturbing is good. I'm not you know say, saying today that I'm against anybody talking about killing in songs. Johnny Cash made a fantastic yeah, career writing a lot about murder, and I think the, his approach is, is fantastic. Uh, I guess I was saying... There are consequences songs. in Johnny Cash's songs, though. Yeah. Which might be the difference. Like, he's saying, I, I killed a man in Reno just to watch him die, but he's singing it from behind prison bars. Right, yes. In the song, right? So there are consequences to his actions in that, in that uh, song. Maybe that's the difference. Yeah, that would be, I guess, the difference. One is sort of, you know, as I said, the, the, the original, sort of what I'm talking about, are murder songs are celebratory. Right. They are ones of, you know, this is going to free me, this is going to make my life a better place. Whereas I think uh, you don't get that with other artists necessarily. But, I, you know, in music, it's interesting, because music, you do have that odd dynamic that it's about how you feel, not necessarily what you're rationally thinking about. And there are going to be plenty of songs where, you may <laughs> you may dance to the music, but you may not necessarily uh, advocate what the lyrics are proposing. You know? Right, 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 right. Well, uh, another thing that you you may like the sound of, mm. but uh, when you finally see it and or hear it, you might not like it as much. There's a there's a Lifetime movie coming uh, soon, starring Lindsay Lohan, who is playing uh, um, Elizabeth Taylor. And the thing is called, I'm just looking for my notes on this. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, um, and she's playing, it's called Liz and Dick. And she's playing Elizabeth Taylor in this, this, what I think is probably, well, I haven't seen it, but I'm told is just an awful version. It's a lifetime movie of one of the most legendary stars of all time. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of interesting that, you know, there's a, a side by side here of that I'm about to put up of uh, Lindsay Lohan and uh, Elizabeth Taylor. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's not, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you could look at the two of them and think that, you know, like it was such bad casting, but Lindsay Lohan's got such, you know, a, a bad rap these days that, uh, that, you know, people are outraged. But I found an article online that kind of details uh, Elizabeth Taylor and the bad reviews that she got during her career. And I'm just going to read something to you. Uh, this was uh, by Michael Rechshaven, writing for the QMI agency. So it appears in all the Sun newspapers. And uh, so The Sandpiper, as I remember, not a bad movie. And uh, uh, Judith Crist, who was uh, writing for the TV Guide, said, the Burtons were paid $1,750,000 for their performances. Were I you, I wouldn't settle for less for watching them. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Graham Greene uh, in the in the wrote about the movie The Comedian said Elizabeth Taylor was a disaster. Uh, John Simon said that Ash Wednesday is so bad that even when Liz Taylor's performance becomes almost inconspicuous in it. Uh, Leonard Moulton uh, said um, about the same movie Liz undergoes a facelift to regain her youth, but she still looks older than Jane, her co-star, Jane Fonda. Sit through this one, and you'll need surgery on your posterior. Critics don't really write like this anymore, either. That's from uh, uh, 1973. Um, 1951, Raymond Chandler wrote about A Place in the Sun, I got so sick of starry-eyed close-ups of Elizabeth Taylor that I could have gagged. And uh, I think my favorite one, Rex Reed still writes like this. This guy still writes reviews, and he's still caustic as all get out. The movie's called Hammersmith is Out. I haven't seen this one. Uh, it's from 1972. And Rex Reed wrote, Wobbling her enormous derriere across the screen in a manner so offensive, it would bring out litigation from any dignified, self-respecting performer. Inspires pity instead of laughs. She has been announcing plans to retire from the screen. Now is as good a time as any. <laughs> so whatever happens this weekend uh, after the after Liz and Dick airs, whatever reviews Lindsay Lohan gets, I hope she feels comforted at least on some level that Elizabeth Taylor got some really brutal reviews in her life. And again, I think Michael Rockshaven, uh, uh, an LA-based Canadian who writes for uh, the QMI agency, for collecting those reviews. Wow. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, it'll be interesting. You know, it's, it's just, it doesn't, you, it sounds like when you have somebody who's been hailed as a legend, then you want someone who is known for their great acting skill to kind of take on the role. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it, it's different. You know, you've got the, the, the Hitchcock remake uh, or the, the, not really a, re a remake, but a biopic sort of on the making of, of Psycho, and you've yeah. got a great actor taking on. Uh, well, and, and great performances all round in this. I mean, you've got Anthony Hopkins. I've seen this. You've got Anthony Hopkins playing Hitchcock. You've got Helen Mirren playing his wife Alma. And really, it's more about their story than it is about the making of Hitchcock, but or the making of Psycho. But still, you get all that good, juicy behind-the-scenes stuff. And uh, Charlotte Johansson's really good as Janet Lee. It's This is a lot of fun. And I was going to show this a little bit later on, but this is for our American friends. Happy Thanksgiving from uh, Alfred Hitchcock, Anthony Hopkins, and Helen Mirren is uh, Hitchcock and, and his wife, Alma. Um, but uh, but that's really good. And But they've got, you know, classic stars who you know are, are oscar winners on their own right playing these people um i have a feeling liz and dick which is a lifetime movie <laughs> might have a slightly different tone to it than uh, the movie hitchcock does yeah and i'm sure they're going to take a lot of uh, artistic license in terms of, of the story that they're trying to tell if you're trying to uh, if you're trying to understand the real life story of, of elizabeth taylor i got a feeling this is not the, the, the movie to watch. This may not be the place to do it. Well, it's interesting because I read an article last night online. Uh, someone has a Lifetime movie blog where all she writes about are Lifetime movies. And now oh, she hasn't seen Dick yet. They, they, they have not released it to her for, for early review. Uh, but she said, guaranteed there'll be a scene where she throw, where Elizabeth Taylor throws a vase at, <laughs> at Richard Burton because that's in every Lifetime movie. And, you know, their relationship was, was very sexual. It was all about sex. And these Lifetime movies don't exactly shy away from portraying sex of some sort on screen. But, of course, it's a television show. So she said there will either be some 
uh, movement underneath the covers. You'll just see covers like people making love about the covers pulled up to about here, and you'll see some rustling sheets, or you'll see a long shot with Lindsay Lohan as Elizabeth Taylor's uh, naked back, sort of, you know, swaying back and forth. And, and she nailed, like, she, she listed a number of, of points like this uh, that are sort of typical of the Lifetime movies that were very funny, and probably she's banging on, I would guess. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, well, I wanted to talk about, let's see if I can pull it up here, a very unusual uh, record that was set recently. Right. Uh, this involves video games, but also involves endurance. So here we are. Uh, this man... I want to make sure I get his name up here. His name is Okan Kaya, and uh, he just won the Guinness Book of World Records for playing a video game for 135 hours and 50 minutes. That cannot be healthy. Correct. <laughs> uh, the game itself is called Call of Duty Black Ops 2. It's a, and this is a record that he just broke. It was recently held by uh, two fellows here in Toronto who had logged in 122 um, hours in terms of playing a video game. Right. Now, when I first saw that, um, my immediate thought was that that figure has to be wrong. 135 hours in a row, that's about five days yeah. without sleep. Turns out that the Guinness Book of World Records, when people started to tackle this, record they developed a, a policy because there have been people who have died playing right, who have tried to do it and then die of exhaustion or whatever yeah, yeah and so they've come up with a policy that for every hour that you're playing you're allowed a 10 minute break oh it's kind of how they've approached it but i'm not sure that that's, that's still that's not enough it doesn't seem to me no, it works out to he uh, and in this case they, they've inter done an interview with uh, Wired magazine and he said that he would save up those ten minute breaks so right. that he could have a couple of hours sleep, uh, you know, during a given night. Right. The one hundred. Right. Which is kind of a um, an odd approach. I'm not sure if then that becomes an impressive. <laughs> an impressive thing that you've pulled off if you're allowed to, you know, I mean, the, the whole idea of doing something endurance is that you should try to do as long as you can without, you know, giving in, whether it be the old dancing contest that they had in the 1950s and 60s where people would try to dance for as long as they could or kissing contests or when you're jumping up in a ball or something like that. The Guinness Book of World Records is a lot of these contests, but it sort of loses its potency if you start creating rules like that that allow people to kind of, even though it may be a tough thing to do, but it's still, you know, is it that big of a, of a deal to, to celebrate? Well, I, I mean, I think so. I mean, I don't know. Listen, I don't want to see anybody die because, no. you know, because of this. So I'm not, I'm not completely like, you know, those people who used to like in the depression, they used to do those dance contests and things, you know, people would drop dead and they, they, or, you know, at least they'd end up in, in way worse shape than they, than they went in, you know? And so I'm not really sure that I, that I, that I mind too much that this guy took a little bit of time every now and again. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, with Guinness Book of World Records, some of the ones that are meant to be impressive, they're meant to be really huge achievements that they're very few, a lot of them should have risk. I mean, there was a time in which if you opened up the Guinness Book of World Records, you'd have people who would be doing high wire uh, trips across Niagara Falls or standing on, you know, I mean, amazing things that you would think, why would anybody in their their, their mind ever or try to accomplish that? Doing that? But I mean, I, again, you've got people like uh, David Blaine, who still kind of puts himself through all that stuff. But, you know, I, I think people look at David Blaine now as just kind of like this oddity, like this weird, like, oh, look, he's running a, 
an electric current through his body and his feet swelled up so much his shoes blew apart. And people, I, I don't think people look at him reverently. They look at him as kind of a like, Ooh, man, what, a, what a nut bar. Yeah, it becomes a bit of a gag or a stunt rather than yeah. something that's a, a, a big major. It's really impressive, yeah. Like it, that kind of stuff doesn't impress me. I've been, I've been in New York uh, for two of his stunts. When he was buried underground, I went to see it. This was years ago. And when he, he stayed underground in a glass coffin or something, I can't remember all the details now, but he was under there for you know, a few days. And uh, I went down to see the hole and, you know, and had a look. And it, it was kind of cool to be a part of the circus. It was more interesting just to see who else was there, what was going on, than it was to actually you know, witness the hole. It was a hole. It wasn't, it wasn't that yeah. interesting. <laughs> but we, I was there recently when he was having that electric current put through him. And, I, and we could have gone and we talked about it. And it was like, yeah, you know what? Who cares about this? Well, with those stunts, I'm more interested in how he prepared for it and how he figured out that he was going to be okay. Right, right. I'm more interested in the problem solving than the actual stunt. Right. He sat down with a team of experts and said, okay, how can I do this? And make it seem like it's far more dangerous than it really is. Right. Um, but, I, you know, the thing that's often really oppressive about people who do uh, reach certain Guinness Book of World Records is that they are often things that are just insane, that, you know, someone could have died trying to do. That's what gives it its kind of its specialness. In this case, I mean, it's odd because... Uh, I remember there were days back in the 70s and 80s when people would try to play arcade games for as long as they could. Uh, it was always impressive to see somebody play Asteroids for like a day and a half just on one quarter. You know, that was kind of... Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, in this case, you're talking about a guy who's sitting in front of a television. Of course, it's not a case that he kept playing and never died. His right. character would die. The game would end. He would just start up again. Uh, you know, and then he had a team full of people there who would help arrange his breaks and that kind of it, it sort of becomes very, you know, it doesn't come across to me anyway as being as impressive an achievement. And also, I think there's the aspect that you're playing here a simulation of a war. Right. And in real life, there were soldiers in wars, in trenches, who did not sleep for days because they were worried about dying, you know? Right. And here you are trying to, to sort of get a sense of achievement out of doing a simulation of that. Um, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I mean, maybe what I'm thinking is what my, my point about this, and I've not really given this much thought, I, I, I'll, I'll admit, but I think my point is, I don't think I really care about these too much. I don't care about, you know, the idea that someone played 135 hours. I mean, I, I played a video there for that. I go, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I guess it's pretty cool. But I kind of don't care how it happened. I mean, I I, I don't know. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I, I think, I think if it, if it to, to really truly be impressive, I guess it has to take a, a toll on you and I'm sure it does even having a break every now and again uh, you know what I don't know I don't well, know they, they asked him what the hardest thing about doing it and the the problem was that he realized was that it was really abusive on his hands that you're holding a controller all these hours you're, you're pressing so your hands are shaped like this for the next month because yeah. you can't move them yeah he said he had to put bandages on all that kind of thing uh, and that's pretty crazy you know there are sort of downsides to the fact that you're sitting down and doing something that's highly repetitive over and over and over and over without any kind of a break mind you there are people who work in factories that have been doing that for entire years yeah. this is sometimes 
what I find with endurance contests, it's like uh, when the movie Super Size came, Me came out, there was this big idea that he was going to spend an entire month just eating McDonald's food. And there's a great moment in the movie in which his brother points out, hey, people have been doing this their entire lives. Yeah, no, people, yeah, like every day eating uh, McDonald's for lunch every single day. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's the guy very famously that's had a Big Mac every day of his life for the last uh, 30 years or something. Right. <laughs> I'll look him up here. <laughs> there are times in which we, 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 it's hard for us to sometimes put these feats into context. We want to sort of, because it sounds abnormal, we assume, we assume that it's going to be extreme. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it is. That, you know, these guys, they've worked out, they've kind of gamed the system in terms of how they can kind of play, sleep and play and sleep and play. But is that really impressive? I'm not sure that it, that it really is. Uh, I don't know. Have you ever gone without sleep for a very long time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But not, I mean, not for like that amount of time, but I've stayed up for a couple of days, you know, like a lot of times. And, right. and you know, for for any number of reasons. I mean, uh, when I used to travel all the time for work, I remember one time uh, being at the Cannes Film Festival and having to come back to Canada, uh, drop off my, I had been in France for a couple of weeks drop off one suitcase, literally just like pack another one and go back out to the airport. Because while I was away, I got booked to go to uh, Hawaii to do interviews. And so I had to, but it was the day I was getting back. So I literally, there was different airlines and stuff. I came home, I was home for about two hours, hadn't slept for ages, uh, packed another bag, got on a plane and flew to Hawaii for 11 hours. And by the time I got there, I was just delirious. I'd been traveling, I'd been in one time zone that was six hours this way, another one was six hours this way. I literally kind of didn't know where I was and, and it was uh, brutal. It was a brutal time. I found this guy's name. His name is uh, Don Gorski. He's a retired prison guard. And on uh, <laughs> <laughs> on May 21st, 2011, which is the most recent uh, article I can find about him, he ate his 25th thousands uh, Big Mac 39 years after eating his first one. Wow. Yeah, so 39 years, 25,000 Big Macs. And, uh, and, you know, let's see, he plans on eating Big Macs, and Big Macs until he dies. He has no intention of changing. It's still his favorite food. Nothing has changed in 39 years, and he looks forward to it every single day, apparently. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, it is insane. Here, it's, uh, let me see, let me grab the picture. I'm going to put up a screenshot of this guy, because, uh, you know what? He actually looks like he's enjoying this Big Mac still. <laughs> well, it, it, and that to me he is, is he's a big Mac, and he's still look, he's yeah. right in there. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. And he doesn't look like he weighs five hundred pounds either. That's the thing. No. Well, and that's I mean that's always what I find insane or intriguing is when you get stories like that that really sort of show how far uh, you know the, the endurance of the human body or the resilience right. of the human body can really go. Uh, in my case, I, when I was 17, I was foolish enough. I worked um, at a retail store at a video rental shop, and I ended up logging 56 hours in a row. God. It wasn't something that I had planned. Yeah. Um, what had happened was all the, the supervisors at the store, I was a supervisor. I, I was the supervisor of the graveyard shift, but there were supervisors for the day and the nighttime staff. Right. They had gotten into a fight with the manager. I still to this day don't know what the issue was, but they got together and developed this scheme this really, really dumb scheme that they would all agree not to show up for work, uh, <laughs> which might have worked if they had told me. Yeah, but they didn't right. tell me. 
they didn't tell any of the other staff and they knew that this was a time in which the manager would be out of town. And so I, um, you know, had been up um, eating supper, getting ready. I went to work at midnight at eight in the morning, which I was supposed to be relieved. Uh, the phone rang and it was the morning supervisor saying that they were sick and could not come in, blah, 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 blah. I called the manager. The manager said, can you hold on to the store? I you know, can't come and relieve you. Can you keep that going? I did the morning shift. I ended up doing the afternoon shift when the next supervisor didn't show up. Found it was now my shift. Then the morning came and had to do that and did that for 56 hours in a row, which was a bizarre experience when you're not preparing for it. I had customers who came in that had rented it from me, gone home, watched their movie. When they came back, <laughs> I was the guy that they brought the movie back to. It was just, end, you're probably like, so did you like it? Did you like it? Tell me, did you like it? You know, <laughs> There's a great episode. There's a great episode on The Simpsons where Apu stays up far too long than he should, and he ends up on the security cam footage just going around pretending he's a bee. And you do, <laughs> you do re I mean, I was fortunate in that I had that constant pressure of customers constantly coming to the till, wanting stuff, and it was just keeping that going. And again, you're telling yourself, you only got to do this for another two hours because then the shift is going to end. Yeah. And then you end up getting a second or third wave just and doing that all over again. To go. Just another 53 hours to go. Just in the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if someone had said, can you do this for 56 hours, I would have told them where to go hang their hat. But there is that sort of human resilience that if it's only a couple more hours and it continues to be little steps like that, you can end up going on for almost forever. It's absolutely crazy. I look back on that and I don't, I'm not terribly proud of it. I think I was a very stupid young person to have done that. I may have gotten a nice big paycheck. Uh, when I was done, but still, just crazy, crazy. Sometimes the but money's it, not worth it. That's the thing, you know. Sometimes, no. like you know, for the for the physical toll that it takes on you, the money is not worth it. I, I had a bar and restaurant that I worked in years and years and a couple of decades ago. I think uh, I, I did a situation where I was new and I didn't have a lot of shifts, and so a bunch of people were taking time off. So I was just sort of like, yeah, I'll take a shift. I'll take a shift. I'll take you know, and I didn't really write it down. It was just sort of like, oh, I got to work uh, lunch on Tuesday and I'm working. And then once I fit in all the shifts that I picked up around my schedule, I ended up working 27 days in a row or something, working like mostly what they call doubles, right? You worked lunch and dinner. And, you know, it wasn't great. <laughs> it wasn't really great. And by the end of it, I was probably the worst bartender on the planet. But I made a fortune, and you know, when it was all said and done, it was kind of like it was okay. But it was uh, unpleasant. It was an unpleasant no. time. Yeah, and I think you know, when you're young, you want to kind of test what your limits are. You want to do stuff that kind of uh, is beyond normal. But yeah, it's it's not something. I would advise it, it. It wasn't something that was impressive. I certainly wouldn't go around bragging about it uh, or feeling like I had done something that was a real sense of achievement it was something that happened it was what it was <laughs> i enjoyed the surreal ride of it kind yeah. of back on it going wow okay that that happened 56 hours really and again i mean that was the clocked time that wasn't the time that i had spent having supper and doing right right right, right right yeah. it's actually much longer but it's something that like really okay well you know there you go but i, I don't think that i could sit down and plan to do that for a video game and especially one I think with video games, there is a health concern because when you're playing, your pulse is high. Uh, you are sort of simulating death. I mean, it, it, that has to take uh, not just a toll physically, but psychologically. I mean, you talk about having dreams after watching one or two episodes of Walking Dead. Imagine 135 hours of simulated warfare, which has been ranked, uh, you know, ratcheted up to be more intense on a video game than, you know, it might be. 
uh, you were just going to play paintball or something, you know? Well, years ago, I don't drive anymore, but when I did, I drove, uh, I didn't mind, I didn't never like driving in the city, but I, I, I didn't mind highway driving. And I drove for like 21 hours straight, 21 hours in a row, and then uh, got where I was going and like almost immediately fell asleep. And it was the most tormented sleep of my life because as soon as I closed my eyes, all I saw was the white line in the middle of the road. And it was like, that's what I dreamt about for eight hours or something. So it felt like I'd actually been driving for closer to 30 hours and 21. It was horrific. I don't advise that. I don't know how truckers do it. That's why truckers take uh, medication to keep them, uh, yeah. you know. Medication and lots of loud music. That's right. Now, um, we, uh, we're, we're near the end here, and I just want one more. I want to share one more thing here that I just found uh, seconds before we're going on. There's no story. All I can tell you is that's from The Host Part 2. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, that is cool. I don't know any more details on that except how friggin' cool is that. So uh, that'll be out sometime within our lifetimes. I don't know when. It'll be out next year. I imagine it'll be out next year. But yeah, The Host Part 2 is coming. If you've seen The, the Host Part 1, you'll know why we're excited right now. Yeah, no, fantastic. From South Korea, South Korean film, monster movie, and really well done. I, yeah, I kind mean, of like eco-monster eco movie, right? Some bad chemicals are poured into the water system, and then all of a sudden things start to bubble and grow in the water. Yeah, well, and just great as a monster movie in terms of having a monster that can rampage and chase, yeah. uh, that has a real threat to it. I think far too many movies tend to be about just people disappearing and something, you know, we really need some, a, a monster that has a presence to it. I love the design of that one. Yeah. That'll be fantastic. Okay, I can't wait. I'm excited for that. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that's it. Go to heyallyouzombies.com. Um, I'm going to put up uh, the uh, Rolling Stones video, Numi oh. Rapace and some very old men playing some rock and roll. Uh, we'll throw up a couple of other fun things uh, for you to have a look at. Uh, I, oh, I've got a trailer for Liz and Dick. Make up oh. your own mind. See how much vase throwing there is and how much you think there's going to be. Uh, and tell me what you think. Uh, get in touch with us. Tell us what you think of Lindsay Lohan's performance. Tell us what you think of the Rolling Stones video because, you know, it, what, there was a time when those videos were made, certainly with an eye towards airplay on much music and MTV, places like that. Well, they don't play videos anymore. They, they simply just don't play them anymore. And so uh, these are now geared to be more sort of viral videos to be played on, on YouTube, that kind of thing. So the content's changed a little bit. There wouldn't have been Numi Rapace's boobs all over uh, one that was meant for much music. So just check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, I think the song's okay. It sounds kind of, to me, like vintage Rolling Stones, which, you know, so they're all near 70. What else is it? They're not breaking new ground here, and I don't think we should expect them to. So give the song a listen. Let us know what you think. The website is called HeyAllYouZombies.com, and then join us again next week. I'm doing my welcoming hand gesture. Join us again next week uh, for more kind of uh, esoterica, and we'll talk more about See? Join us. Join us. Come join us. And we'll talk more about The Walking Dead for sure. That one's creepy and weird. For some reason, when you do that, it's creepy like that. I don't know. This is welcoming. Come. Welcome. This is <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, so we'll see you all next week. All right.